Amen. Amen. Not that I'm biased or anything, but this is probably the best looking church in Northern Kentucky this morning. You guys look good. And we're happy you're here if it's your first time here. What I love about Easter is you never know who's going to be coming through the door. I got to talk to a couple right here. If you just wave your hands, they're traveling back from Florida to home in Canada, if I understood that correct. So we're happy you guys are here. Um, and then I met Eileen's brother, Logan. I don't know if he, he's in here right now. He's in the back there. We're happy you're here. Um, but it's just awesome how it brings family together and uh, what the power of Easter that we can celebrate, come together, the power of the resurrection. So as I was praying and just asking God what he wants to say this morning uh, during Holy Week and the season of Lent where we put aside things and we just begin to focus on our walk with God, uh, we begin to look in. If you haven't been here, we've been in a series called The Path to Holiness where we look through scripture, through Peter, what it looks like to pursue the heart of God. That when we get close with God, his holiness begins to touch us and begins to burn up things in our life that aren't like him. And this morning, we celebrate because none of that would be possible if Jesus never rose from the grave. If he, you know, what makes Christianity different than anything else is every other God died, but it was Jesus who conquered every other religion, every other God, when he rose from the dead three days later and he went to battle for you and me. There's a powerful gospel that caught my attention. So I begin to study it. I believe there's some truth uh, that the Holy Spirit wants to encourage you with this morning. If you got your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 19, or it'll be up on the screen behind me. But here's what the gospel says. This is about a man by the name of Zacchaeus. It says this, it says, Then Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. I love this verse here. It says, the heart of Jesus. It says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This morning, I just want to preach from the thought, if you're taking notes, a friend of sinners. Aren't you thankful that Jesus was a friend to us in our sin, that grace pursued us and didn't leave us empty-handed and dried up? You know, as reading Zacchaeus, if you grew up in church, you can help me sing the song, If you know it, how does it go? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. Okay, we got church people in the house this morning. If you don't know that, you miss children's church, okay? Also, you might remember the story of Zacchaeus told on a felt board with all these felt characters. You know, you have to move past when you read the gospels like these. Sometimes we get these children's church 
images burned in our head of how the, kind of the gospels happen. But how many of you know things are a little different when you get into the context, and sometimes it's not as cute and nice as we get in children's church. It gives us a great seed, and it plants us great things, but there's power when you can really see what's taking place. And I just want to bring some context to this story as we celebrate resurrection, because what's amazing here is, is that Zacchaeus had a resurrection moment. Someone who didn't deserve it, someone who was the least deserving guy, Christ came to him and brought salvation. Now, if you read this and you were to hear and you were to see, especially in um, Middle Eastern time, when you saw that Jesus was just communicating with a chief tax collector, that would throw up a lot of red flags right there. A little bit about a tax collector, let alone a chief tax collector, is in the time of Jerusalem and Israel, Roman government had their rule over the land. And so if you go and you read historical text of what Rome would do when they would send their massive uh, amounts of soldiers and their, their government into cities to conquer it, they would do terrible things. Things like they would kill the majority of men, they would rape women and wives, they would take children and offer them as sacrifices and uh, enslave children for generations. So when Rome showed up, it wasn't a good sign. What they would also do, there's, there's pictures of this, it's amazing, it's awful, that they would take these Jewish men and they would hang them up on crosses and line the, the, high, the highways into Rome with Jewish men on crosses to show that, hey, this is now Rome's territory. So bringing this context into Zacchaeus, you have to understand that Zacchaeus was a Jewish man. And because he didn't want to be tortured and persecuted, he took an easy way out and decided that I'm going to go to work for the Roman government and therefore tax my people. I'm going to tax my neighbors. Imagine one day you're having barbecue with Zacchaeus. And then several months later, when Rome takes over, Zacchaeus is now this tax collector. He, he has some inside information into your life where he knows kind of how much money you make, where you hide your money, what your money's in. So whose house is he going to come knocking on when it's time to collect? Because tax collectors in that time were fraudulent. They were dirty. Not only did they take what was due to Rome, but Scripture says that they would line their own pockets. They would make sure they were taken care of. And so Zacchaeus, put it in context, was this chief tax collector. And we see in this account and in this story that he's around a crowd of people. And it says because he was short, he could not see Jesus. Now, Zacchaeus, I can tell you, in this crowd of people, people knew who Zacchaeus was, but nobody wanted anything to do with him. So I can tell you they were throwing elbows. They were doing anything and everything to keep Zacchaeus because he didn't deserve a front row seat to see Jesus. He deserved to be in the back. But how many of you know we serve a God full of grace, and grace doesn't make sense all the time? And we're products of grace. I'm a product of grace. He's a friend of sinners. And we're going to see this story is going to get juicy and it's going to get good. Zacchaeus' life is going to be forever changed. You know, you do a little research on Jericho as well. Jericho is known as a town full of sin and iniquity. I love what scripture says. It says that Jesus was passing through to Jerusalem. What I love about Jesus and what we can take away from how he just did life and how he did ministry, is as he was passing, passing through to his uh, ultimate mission, he was still on mission. 
There's many times we feel God's given us a dream or he's, he says, he's told us what we're going to do or what we're going to be, and we just kind of neglect everything else. Our family kind of gets put on a back burner. Our relationships, God, we're just waiting for him to do a miracle for us. But Jesus was always on mission while heading to his ultimate mission. Always be on mission. See that side of Jesus and know he was always attracted to brokenness. And wherever he was, he knew that there was purpose and that miracles could happen. Every page, as you go and you read the Gospels, you'll always see Jesus found himself in these spaces and in these places of sin, of iniquity, of brokenness. It didn't run him away like the Pharisee and said, oh, the law says I can't touch anything unclean. But Jesus brought grace into it and showed that, hey, grace is now the way to live. And so I love this. You know, we have to ask ourselves, are we like the people in the crowd where our Christianity is selfish, where it's, it's about me getting to Jesus? Because there's many times I'm guilty of seasons in my life where I say, I, I'm saying that I'm found, but I'm living like I'm lost. Anybody ever been there? You're saying you're living like you're found, but your, your life shows that you're lost. Or you say you're living in the light, but really there's darkness that you're living in. And so what we see and some points I want you to take away from if you're taking notes. By the way, it says that 98% of Christians who take notes have a better chance of getting it into heaven. So I hope you brought a notepad, you brought something, because your salvation could be on the front. No, I'm kidding. Grace, you're under grace. Come on, you're good. But point one, what we see through Zacchaeus is he was determined to see Jesus. Anybody ever been in a place in your life where you were determined to see Jesus. What we see Zacchaeus do two things that a man of his stature, a man of the type of money he had, would never do. Scripture says that he ran and he climbed. Two things that a man in that time, let alone a chief tax collector, would never do. He would have his scrolls. He would probably have his, his uh, briefcase full of, of notes and money and the, and the routes he had to make to collect. So by him running and climbing meant he put those things down. He didn't care who was around him. In order for him to run, men of that time would have a tunic, a dress-like um, pair of pants, whatever you want to call it. And in order for him to run and to climb, he would have to roll that up. Now, a man, a Middle Eastern man in that time would never roll his tunic because therefore he would expose his legs, meaning that it was a sign of shame because your public image was everything, especially with what he did. He was a, what we could say, a modern day thug, a gangster, a thief. So he had to have his cool together. So by him rolling up his tunic meant that he was forgoing his image because he wanted to see Jesus. You know, this also reminds me of a story. If you uh, Go back four chapters in Luke chapter 15. Love Luke chapter 15. It's the story of uh, where Jesus leaves the 99 to go after the one. We love that song, Reckless Love. That's where that song is burst out of. Uh, we also see the parable of the lost coin and the excitement of the woman who found what she had been looking for. And then we see the story of the prodigal. Through Holy Week, church tradition will tell you that we're to identify ourselves as the prodigal, searching for Christ in our life. What we see through the story of the prodigal son, you know it, popular story, is that when the prodigal came to his senses, when he had wasted his inheritance, 
when he said, I am tired of eating pig's food. I know if I can at least go and apologize to my father, maybe he'll forgive me and I can just be a servant or a slave to him and at least eat better and have a shelter over my head. And so we see the prodigal begin to make the journey back home. We don't know how long he's been gone. We don't know necessarily where he's been. All we know, the scripture says that the father was sitting on his porch waiting for his son to return. You need to know something about grace is that you serve a father who is always sitting and waiting for you to turn. But the story gets better because grace just doesn't sit. It did a lot more. It hung for us as well. So it says, I love the scripture. You can read it. It says that as, as the boy, the prodigal is returning, it says that the father sees him from a distance. Sees him from a distance. You know, that's a part of my story. I can see places in my life where I wasn't looking to God, but there was this awareness within me that the grace of God still saw me in the distance, even in the messy times in my life. And that's what you have to know. You might find yourself where you're in a mess or you're in a place. You need to know that the grace of God sees you even if it's from the distance. So we see the powerful picture of, of grace because Jesus was sharing these parables to tell the Pharisee, hey, law is gonna, about to be fulfilled. When resurrection comes, law is going to be fulfilled. We even know in the story that the father's other son, when uh, the prodigal was embraced, that he stood at the corner while the partying and the dancing and the rejoicing was going on. He was just so judgmental and hurt and offended because he saw he was keeping the law. He was doing everything right. But grace toward the prodigal, they were throwing a party for someone who's, who ruined his father's entire inheritance. It doesn't make sense. And so we see as the father ran, he would have had to roll up his tunic as well and run after his father, therefore exposing his shame. And see this, this is the picture of grace, is that Jesus embraces our shame so that we can have what he deserves. He takes what we deserves and gives us what he deserves. By the father rolling up, he was saying, I'm taking your shame and I'm gonna embrace you and then therefore put a ring on your finger. We're gonna cut the fatted calf and we're gonna throw a party because you have returned. I'm telling you, grace can change your life. He was determined to see Jesus. We have to ask ourselves, what are we determined to do? The story of Zacchaeus is still even as crazy as it sounds because really all Zacchaeus did was climb a stinking tree and he got Jesus' attention. When it comes to grace, so many times we think we have to, to have all of our ducks in a row. We have to check every box. We have to make sure everything's good and going right. Grace sometimes doesn't operate that way. And so we see is Zacchaeus is determined to see Jesus. The father and the prodigal sees him in the distance as he sees us in the distance. You know, again, in Middle Eastern times, one thing is grown men don't climb trees. It's weird. doesn't happen. Secondly, grown men don't climb trees to check out another man. So I can tell you, everyone in that crowd was like, what in that? Who? Zac Zacchaeus is, what is he doing? This is not the Zacchaeus we know. So that brings us to point two, when it comes to embracing grace in your life, when it comes to embracing Christianity, is we gotta be okay to lose it for Jesus. Zacchaeus lost it for Jesus. You know, a truth is, 
and guys, you know that this is true. That when you're dating, when you're pursuing the woman that God has for you, when you're in love, you kind of got to lose your cool. Anyone say amen to that? How do I know this? I can remember times where we're playing basketball. We're on the golf course. You know, guys, how they talk was, ah, they're just having a good time. <laughs> you know how we are. And then the phone rings. You see when the phone rings, it's your girlfriend, it's your wife. You're going to pick the phone up, right? You're in love. You're, you're dating. You're excited. doesn't matter where you are, who you're with. She's calling. All the guys, was ah, they're having a good time. You go to pick the phone up. Where does the level of that guy's voice go? Come on. Hey, babe, how you doing? What's going on? I love you. I miss you. I haven't talked to you in a while. We do it. When you're in love, you lose your cool. You don't care what other people think. You are in love. Zacchaeus was experiencing this. Not only do I, you can go and read, but when you read the story, I think Zacchaeus was heaped up in guilt. I think he didn't like the lifestyle he was in. Nobody liked him. He was against the people that he, again, was neighbors with. So I can tell you that he came to a place where he was like, I'm done with this. I got to make a change in my life. I don't care what people think. I'm climbing a tree. I have to see Jesus. And even in order to see him, I'm, the scripture says that he ran ahead, that he kind of planned the route. Okay, Jesus is going to be coming through here, so I'm going to run ahead, and maybe I can get a glimpse of him. Some things I wrote down that's the beauty where you see Jesus and the gospel through this is that Zacchaeus climbed a tree for Jesus, but Jesus was crucified on a tree for Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus sat on a tree, but Jesus hung on a tree for him. Zacchaeus sweat, but Jesus bled. Aren't you thankful for the price that Jesus paid for us? Here's, here's what grace says too. It says that anything you're willing to do for Jesus, he has already done that much more for you. Anything you're willing to do for him, he's done all that much more for you. You know, as Zacchaeus is standing in the tree and he sees Jesus approaching, I can tell you the man starts to sweat because by the law, he was, Jesus could be justified to chew him out, to make him pay back everything that he's stolen. And so I can tell you, he's nervous, he's sweating, he doesn't know what Jesus is going to say to him. He's seen Jesus, he's heard of Jesus doing miracles, but they've never met. He just knows that, hey, maybe he'll forgive me, I don't know. And so we see as the encounter between Zacchaeus and Jesus happens, this is what's powerful. Zacchaeus, or Jesus called Zacchaeus by his name. Jesus had never met him. He didn't know who he was. That's what grace does. It calls us by our name. Yeah. Calls us by name. Now, if you go and you look, I was looking up, okay, what is the name Zacchaeus meant? Because I believe there was a deeper picture here when he called him by his name. The name Zacchaeus means righteous, it means pure, and it means innocent. By his deed, that wasn't happening. But by grace, I believe he was trying to communicate a message that because of what I'm about to do, I'm going to call you righteous, I'm going to call you pure, and I'm going to call you innocent. That's what the blood of Jesus does for you and I. He takes what we deserve and gives us what he deserves. What we also see by him calling him by his name, and Jesus didn't give Zacchaeus this tongue lashing that 
was justifiably right is that we see that Grace says he was more concerned with the crime than he was the criminal. You go and you read John chapter 1, verse 14. It says that Jesus was full of grace and he was full of truth. Grace always comes, for, comes first. And what you're about to see, the response to grace brought truth into Zacchaeus' life. And I love because he says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm about to have dinner in your house. He's basically saying, I like the medium salsa, nothing too hot. Get it ready. We're coming over and we're having a party. This is what grace does. And what we see through this as well, and write this down, is that his love for us outweighs our faith in him. His love for each and every one of you, whether you call Jesus Lord, whether you're, you feel like you've backslided from God, you have to know that his love always outweighs our faith in him. It's a beautiful picture of salvation. What we have to see and know through this too is that just as Jesus found Zacchaeus in a tree, he can find you in the back seat of a church. He can find you in a broken marriage. He can find you in a messed up family. He can find you in a failed business. Whatever it is, he's going to find you. The, the purpose of grace, if God wants you, he's going to get you. It might look different for all of us, but if he wants you, he's going to get you. He sees us in the distance. And I believe as he called Zacchaeus by name, he calls us by name this morning. And he offers us grace. And he offers us mercy. He knows our name. And Pam, as you come, you know, as you see this, this story begin to close, and as you begin to see what begins to happen in the heart of Zacchaeus. Really, we don't see the dialogue or the language that happened between them as they sat down for dinner. But what we, this is what we do see happen as we read in the story. We see Zacchaeus walk out, and he basically makes a public announcement. He says, I've repented, and anything that I've stolen from the poor, I want to give half of my wealth back. And the people that I've stolen to, I want to give four times back to them. I'm telling you, when you experience grace, it doesn't keep you quiet and just in your seat. Man, it puts a response in you that you want to run full throttle after Jesus because he's changed and touched your life. As we celebrate resurrection today, I pray that the grace of God is renewed in your life. And if you haven't found grace, if you've never said, I want the grace of Jesus, I want to trade my sin, I want to trade my mess, and I want to take on who Jesus is, that opportunity is here for you this morning. As you look at the law and as you look at grace, look at the difference. I wrote this down. It says, the law may have the first word, but it's grace that has the last word. The law can break a hard heart, but it's grace that can heal one. The law condemns the best of us, but grace, it saves the worst of us. The law diagnoses, grace delivers. The law says slave, but grace, it says son. The law exposes, but grace, it exonerates. The law accuses, but grace acquits. The law says curse, but grace says blessed. And I need to put you to put your hands together for this one.
The law says guilty as charged, but the grace of Jesus Christ has been shouting out at us for 2,000 years. We are forgiven. It's a good place to say amen. That's what we celebrate today. You go and you read, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a short guy. Romans 3.23 says that we've all fallen short of the glory of God. At some point in our lives, you know, me and Bree were pregnant. I think of our baby Daniel coming into the world and thinking he's coming into a world that's hurting, that's full of sin, and one day he's going to have to respond to grace. And it brings me such emotion. It brings me such strength when I think of what grace has done for my life and thank God that he has grace to walk him through in his life. I'm telling you, when you respond to grace, it responds to you. It's already responded to you. It's just waiting for you to respond and run after it. We're forgiven. This is the story of Easter. This is what we celebrate, that we have a new nature in Jesus Christ. His mercy, it triumphs over judgment. I want to pray for you this morning. I believe God wants to do a work of grace in your life. If you would bow your head and close your eyes, I just want you to take a moment. I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus who is here. Just ask Him, what is, what, where is it in my life that I need grace? Or where it is in my life I need to give grace? Embracing the grace of Jesus Christ is the most powerful thing you will do on a daily basis. It says that all those that desire to come after me must deny themselves and carry their cross daily. When you carry your cross, you carry grace with you. Father, I pray for every heart here. Pray for every soul watching online. I pray that the grace of Jesus Christ would be deposited like never before into their life. Father, just as Zacchaeus was willing to put his ego, to put his pride at the foot of the cross, he was willing to lose his cool for Jesus. He was determined to see Jesus. And because of that, he experienced a moment that would forever change his life. Father, we want to be people that are friends to sinners. You were a friend to us in our moment of brokenness, in our moment of weakness. When we come to you, we don't just go from good to bad. We go from death to life. We go from uh, becoming just dead and alive, Father. God, we want to be alive in you, and we want to be renewed to what the Spirit of God is doing. Father, as we're praying and as we're searching ourselves, we're looking at the areas of our life that just need to embrace grace. Specifically, want to pray for those that have never made a decision to embrace grace in your life. You've never made a decision to say, I'm tired of doing this my own way. I'm tired of being like the, the tax collector. I'm ready to become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what Zacchaeus experienced. And when he experienced the grace of God, it so changed him that he dropped old habits. He dropped addictions. He dropped old lifestyles. I'm telling you, the thing that you need in your life to bring real change is grace. 
and it's here and it's freely given. It's a gift. You can't earn it. There's no amount of things you can do in your life to earn grace. Jesus already paid the price once and for all. If that's you this morning, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that he was resurrected, that he rose from the dead, he'll come and he'll live in you. If that's you this morning, right where you're sitting and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, this can be your moment. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand right where you're at. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, it's the greatest decision you can ever make. Amen, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Is there anybody else you want to embrace grace this morning? I'm telling you, he loves you. He's calling you. He's choosing you. Amen. Amen. You can open your eyes. I want to take a moment, Jeannie, and I want to pray with you. This is your moment. This is your public announcement. And sir, I haven't met you, but I want to pray with you as you embrace grace this morning. Here is we're about to pray. Bree is going to lead us in a song. What a beautiful name it is. But before we do that, Jeannie, if you would come, and sir, if you would come, can we welcome them as they embrace grace this morning? Amen. 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 Pastor Joyce, if you would come. If you would pray with Jeannie. Sir, I want to pray with you. Charles. Charles. Charles.